What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is July 19th. It's Tuesday, and that means that it is a week since we posted our last episode, which we promised you guys. Well, actually, it's six days since we posted our last episode. Give us a little pat on the back there. But yeah, we, we promised you guys that we would be having weekly episodes instead of semi-weekly episodes for the next couple of weeks. And that's because we're doing our NCAA Doomsday series. And as you see by the title, today is part two or episode two of our NCAA Doomsday series. And it is all about the money. You can see that in the title as well. I don't know. I don't exactly know what the title is going to be right now because we're recording this before I'm posting it, but there's probably going to be something about money in the title just to indicate that that's what we're talking about today. So we have a lot of stuff to go over today. That's that's all I'm going to say right now. We're going to be talking about kind of NIL first, and we're going to I'm going to be I'm going to introduce the idea of what people think NIL is versus what it actually is. And what the NCAA is trying to do with NIL specifically. Um, And then Matt is going to kind of take the lead in the second part of the episode. And he is going to, we're both going to be talking in in each part, but I'm going to take the lead on the first part with NIL and how the NCAA spends its money and where it actually goes. And then Matt is going to take the lead on the second part of the episode. And he's going to be talking about TV deals because that's, I was listening to the first take this morning. I was actually, well, I was actually at my job and I was on break. And so I was in the break room and we always have first take on in the mornings. And I was listening to the first take and they were, they literally said something like college football is all, is all TV deals. Now that's all it is. Like that's basically where all the money is coming from and where it's going and everything like that. So Matt's going to be talking about TV deals and obviously I'll jump in here and there. But yeah, it's going to be kind of a kind of a flip flop episode. It's going to be, you know, we each have our have our topics that we're going to bring up. And then the other person is kind of just going to jump in and, and talk about it because, yeah, there's there's a lot of lots of controversy in this episode. That's for sure. But Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, not much to add there, honestly. Pretty much what Hayden said, right? The schedule is what it is. And, and I think that, you know, we've done a lot of research for this for this whole series and we've kind of broken it up in pieces such that it makes sense to someone who doesn't really know what's going on with name, image, and likeness in college sports and how that's changing the game and how that's different for different sports and, and for different levels of competition for different schools across the country and for different players who, who are playing those sports. So that's kind of the deal is, is, you know, we're given an, an overall kind of educational, you know, top level view, bird's eye view of what's going on, but we're getting a little bit deeper then too, right? So we introduced the idea, here's what it is, here's what's going on, and then here's kind of why, you know, why all of this is happening, and then, you know, other reasons or, or ways that it can go um, from there. So, so yeah, so, I mean, you know, let's not waste any more time. What, what you got, Hayden? Alrighty, well, hopping into the problem here. So now that NIL is in full swing, there are essentially three types of people when it comes to what everyone thinks of NIL. And the first one is those who are completely for it. The second one is those are who those who are completely against it. And the third is, of course, those are who those who are kind of on the fence and agree with some parts of it, but disagree with others. Now, I would argue that a lot of people 
they know that NIL starts, I mean, stands for name, image, and likeness. And they know that it has something to do with money going to college football players and college basketball players and well, college athletes in general. But I think a lot of people think that the NCAA has something to do with it because they made that rule or they, they essentially allowed this rule. Like they didn't even, they didn't make it. It's just that it's almost like they just loosen their restrictions in order to allow name, image, and likeness deals for college athletes. They're, they're now allowing college athletes to profit in some way, whether that's affiliated with the NCAA or not affiliated with the NCAA. Well, actually it's only not affiliated with the NCAA. And that's what we're going to be kind of delineating here is that NIL literally has nothing to do with the NCAA in terms of money and the NCAA's money. So if you listen to our last episode, you most likely got the notion that the NCAA is, is theoretically in debt to its athletes because the, because its athletes is are a huge part of basically the only part of, of why the NCAA is actually bringing in revenue and actually bringing in money. But the problem here is that NIL is not at all the NCAA paying its athletes. That's not, that's not what it is. And you might ask, well, then what is it? I would say it's a purposeful effort to, basically deflect attention away from the NCAA and say, okay, well, we'll, we'll allow you guys to have brand deals and you guys can basically get money from, from advertisements and other companies that want to offer you a deal, just like other professional players and and your professional athletes have, you guys can have that, but we're still not going to pay you any of our money. You can just get your money from them. We'll appease you with this money and we're going to keep our money or we're going to, well, maybe not keep it, but we're going to keep on basically telling everybody that we're spending it on things that sound very fishy and vague. And so that's basically the problem here. And and again, we kind of, we kind of glossed over this last episode, but I wanted to bring it up again this episode because it does directly have to do with the NCAA's money. And it is that NIL is not at all. it, It doesn't concern the NCAA at all in terms of its its money. It does in, you know concern the NCAA in terms of they're allowing this to happen. An, an example would be Bijan Robinson, right? So he, he's a running back for Texas and he was supposed to be like basically the best running back in the in all of college football last year and he ended up not being, but he was he still had a pretty good season. I think he might have gotten hurt actually. But yeah, so he he signed a deal with an, an NIL deal with Ferrari this past offseason. And that was huge because everybody was like, dude, what in the world? You, I mean, you, you almost never see a Ferrari commercial on TV. It's weird that they're signing this dude, Bijan Robinson, who is a college football player and a running back and has nothing to do with cars, really. And th- this is basically what the NCAA, and NCAA is saying. They're saying, OK, Ferrari, you can give Bijan Robinson this deal. Bijan Robinson, you can you can make money from Ferrari in any way that you want. But Ferrari's not at all affiliated with the NCAA. The NCAA isn't having to give any of its money to Bijan Robinson, but now they're basically appeasing Bijan Robinson and saying, okay, well, you can make this money from other companies. So here you go. But again, that's not solving the problem that we have brought up. That's not solving the problem of the NCAA is, is like Matt said last episode, you know, in a way exploiting its players in terms of, you know, it, it's, it's almost like unpaid labor that they're giving. But yeah, that's kind of just the introduction to the topic. Matt, if, if, if you want to jump in here, you can. But I just use B. John Robinson as an example because 
I think he was kind of the most surprising NIL deal that came out over the offseason. And again, it's just it's a very good example because like, you know, a college football player signing a deal with Ferrari is, is basically unheard of. Like I would never think of that happening, but it's happening. And I think it's it's almost like it's almost mockery, I guess, of this whole NIL and NCAA money deal that um, that we're trying to that we're trying to expose here. So, well, first of all, it wasn't Ferrari. It was Lamborghini, which Honestly, in my mind, okay. It's, well, it's it. probably cooler though. I mean, seriously, you're signing a deal with Lamborghini. Now, I don't think he's getting like free Lambos to just like hand out to his friends. He, he might have been able to get one himself, or through the money that he was paid to be a brand sponsor for Lamborghini, he would he might have been able to 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 purchase one himself. But yeah, either way, like Hayden said, that's kind of the the, the overall general concept here is that. Lamborghini is paying Bijan Robinson the money to be a brand sponsor for their company, Lamborghini. It's, it has nothing to do with the NCAA. Now, what I will kind of go back on a little bit for in terms of, you know, for the NCAA part of this is that, you know, they're, they're part in this, right? And so realistically, the NCAA, the reason that NIL, name, image, and likeness became a thing was because the NCAA lost a, a court case, basically, which said, well, in, in which the NCAA was arguing that their players, the, you know, college athletes, student athletes shouldn't be paid for anything, right? Whether that be, that be a brand sponsor, whether that be just some random dude, quote unquote, who wants, quote unquote, their football team to be good, quote unquote, and hands the the recruit, quote unquote, a bunch of money, quote unquote, right? There's a lot of stuff here and there's a lot of ways that these athletes are going to get or are getting paid now, but that the NCAA wouldn't, you know, didn't really want to allow to the point where, and I mentioned this in a, in a previous episode episode as well, the NCAA didn't even allow these student athletes to have a part-time job, right? So like if you're playing tennis for, you know, Stanford and you're like, Hey, you know, I want to go out with my friends and buy some dinner. So I'm going to work at Chick-fil-A as a part-time job to make some extra cash so I can just, you know, go and spend it. You wouldn't be allowed to, which is, it's insane. Right. But that's just kind of the, the nature of the beast. And that's what we're, that's what we're dealing with here. And so the reason behind this, and this is kind of the, you know, the NCAA's argument for this is that, Hey, and there is some truth value to this. And then that's kind of why I'm going to explain it out here. If we allow athletes to be paid, whether that be, you know, right. Brand sponsorships, random guys on the street who, have a lot of money and want their program to succeed uh you know and and be good whether that be the schools directly paying the players whatever it is if we allow the, the players to get paid that could create a competitive unbalance in the realm of the ncaa and whether that be you know football basketball whatever sport we're talking about whatever conference whatever schools and to some extent that is kind of true right because you think about it the teams that are the best win the most and the teams that win the most get the most money and therefore the best teams have the most money right and that's just kind of that that's a very simple equation the way that works out and if the best teams have the most money and we're going to allow the players to make money the best teams are going to be able to pay the players the most money and the best players are going to go to the best teams and you know see what i'm saying so it, it becomes this you know the 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 better they're like the rich only get richer i guess um in in, in a kind of a biblical sense where the better teams are going to be able to get the better players because they're going to be able to spend more money to get those better players. And they're only going to keep winning more. And the teams that are, you know, kind of lower on the totem pole who aren't as great, aren't going to be able to really compete. But here's the deal. Okay. First of all, like I've been saying, and this is just a fact, because if you've 
you know, kind of listen to any of the Jimbo Fisher versus uh, Nick Saban commentation that's been going on. These teams have been paying players forever. It's just been under the table and they've had, you know, secret guys who are, you know, have underground tunnels of, you know, certain guys who are running money to certain recruits and players and whatever this has been going on. Okay. So that, and that's the reason why, well, part of the reason why, you know, a lot of these teams have stayed so good is because, Hey, if you go to this school, well, it may, you may not be paid legally, but you're still going to get paid regardless. Right. So there's that. Right. And the other thing is though, too, and, and this is especially true in football. It's a little bit less true in basketball, but still to some extent true in basketball too. Where has there been parody ever? Well, in the last, like, t- at least 20, 30 years in, in college football specific, specifically. Well, let's leave it. Let's even think 10 years. Right. Alabama's won like seven of the last 11 national titles. Clemson's won two in the last 10 years. Georgia won one this past year, but they've, you know, they've been to a national championship in the, in the last. Well, they've been to two in the last like four years. Florida State won a national championship. Auburn won a national championship. And these teams are all still really good. Right. Ohio State won in 2014. They've been the best team in the Big Ten for the last 20 years. Right. So like the argument that if we if we aren't allowed to pay the players just simply because the competition is going to, you know, get imbalanced because the better teams have the most money and they're going to get the best players and they're going to, you know, they're the only ones who are going to have a chance at winning anything. That's all that's already been happening, right? They've already gotten the best players because of the best brands. And a lot of this doesn't even really have to do with money, right? If you, I mean, if you're a recruit coming out of college and there's no money involved whatsoever, and you know, you're a five-star and you want to get to the NFL and that's your ultimate goal to create generational wealth being paid $20 million a year, who has the best chance of getting you to that place? It's Alabama, it's Ohio State, it's Clemson, right? It's it's Oklahoma, it's Georgia. It's these 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 schools that are, are perennially in the college football playoff and competing for national championships. So even if there isn't money involved, it's there still hasn't been any parity. There's the same teams are still winning and and still you know doing so well. So that's kind of where that argument is rendered a little bit just kind of wrong, I guess, is that it's like, you know, this has already been happening. So, so that's kind of the backstory on like, Hey, this is what the NCAA is coming from. And it makes sense from their perspective to say, Hey, you know, our job in, in kind of being the, the, you know, the enforcer of just kind of competition and and balance and everything that happens within college sports, our job is to make things competitive and to make it fun and entertaining. And it's not going to be that way. If we have, you know, if we only know that like one or, you know, a couple teams are going to win, you know, the championship each year, but again, that's kind of already been happening. So, so that's kind of my thought on, on the take and and Hayden's right is too, is like, okay, even if, you know, the NCAA wins this argument and it's like, oh, you know what? The Supreme Court's like, oh, the NCAA won. Guys, what are we going to do? We lost it. Uh, What, what, what do we go? Where do we go from here? Well, it's still like Hayden said, it's not the NCAA who's paying the players, right? So even if you say, well, okay, yeah, you're right, NCAA, you're right. We should not pay the players because this, A, it would still continue to happen, but B, the NCAA wouldn't be liable. So that's kind of where it's like almost a, it's it's like a, it's like a moot point, right? It's a, it's a, it's a null and void because even when the NCAA lost this court case, which then allowed the p- players to profit off their name, image, and likeness, it's not like it was hurting the NCAA's pockets because again, like Hayden said, and we made the great point, like it, that's not, what's happening they're not the ones paying out the money so that's kind of the the gonna sum up that point i guess yeah that's exactly right and actually a great example of of what matt kind of started out his talk with in terms of players not even or ncaa athletes not even able being able to have a part-time job at chick-fil-a or something like that before 
a good example of that is actually destroying on YouTube. So I, I used to watch destroying a lot and he was a kicker for UCF. I, I think his, his real name is like Donald De La Haya or something like that, but everybody knows him by destroying. And he's a huge, he's a huge social media influencer. He started on YouTube, but now, I mean, he's on TikTok, I guess too, which is kind of the same thing or it's building into the same kind of platform as YouTube, I guess. But yeah, he, he started out as a YouTuber and, I used to watch him all the time and he, right. He was, he was a kicker at UCF and then he was making videos at the same time. And he started to get a lot more popular than the average YouTuber. And he started to grow in subscribers and everything like that. And I think by the time he had something around like 40,000 subscribers, the NCAA actually told him like they, they came at him and they basically said, you either have to pick football, college football, or you have to pick YouTube and you have to stop one of the two. If you want to continue YouTube, then you can, but you can't play for UCF and you can't play college sports. And if you want to play college sports, you have to stop YouTube. You can't make money off of YouTube because obviously at that point, you know, when you're that big on YouTube, you start making a little bit of money with advertisements and just general viewership money and stuff like that. So that's a great, that's a great example of kind of what the NCAA used to not even allow their players to do. And so actually destroying ended up, staying with YouTube and now he's huge. I mean, I think he has over a million subscribers now and maybe even a couple million subscribers. And like I said, yeah, he's made a huge living off of, off of social media in general. And he's just like, he's super rich basically. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great example. That's a perfect example. And that's probably the best example, honestly. And, and then you think it's like, they sought out this guy who plays for the university of central Florida, who, yes, they're a great football program, right? Nationally known. Okay, fine who's a kicker on the team. Yeah. And again, I'm all here for kickers. They're a very important, you know, person in the team. And if you have a good kicker, you're, you're way more likely to win a game. So they're extremely important. I get that, but it's like the kicker is not going to influence the outcome of your game, right? If this was a star quarterback and, you know, him being on YouTube is going to impact the revenue with the, that the NCAA makes versus that like, okay, fine. Right. If you want to go that deep, that's okay. But it's like, this guy is a kicker for a college that's not even in the power five conferences. So like, that's the extent to the end to which the NCAA was going. And as Hayden said, it was only like 40,000 subscribers, which is, yeah, that's a lot, but it's like, he wasn't making living wages off of that. He now is, which congrats yeah. to him. And he made the right choice, obviously, because mm-hmm. right. You know, what are the chances that after you're a kicker in college, you're going to go into the NFL? It's like none. Actually, most of the kickers in the NFL didn't even like, they didn't even get like drafted from colleges. They're just like random guys off the street. So it's like, you're basically telling this guy who's just trying to make a, make some side money, you know, doing a YouTube channel, which is, you know, fun and entertaining. And maybe that's one of his passions. That's probably his hobby. They're basically like, no, you can't do your hobby. You can't make money from it. Oh, and by the way, you probably wouldn't, and you probably wouldn't have ended up with an NFL career anyway, making any type of money, but you still can't do this. And it's like, are you kidding me, man? Yeah. It's so stupid. I actually think that he, his decision was super tough especially for his case, because that, I mean, if you guys remember UCF, like Matt said, they have a, they have a really good football program now that has emerged greatly in the past, you know, five, six years. And so I think it was actually like right before they had, it may have been the season before or something like that. The season before they went like undefeated in the regular season and everybody was talking about whether they should be in the college, I don't even know if that was, I don't know if that was before the college football playoff started or something. I think it was the year before. I think it was like 2013. It was the year yeah. before. Um, yeah, and they got it, but they got a super good bowl game. They were in like 
the Rose Bowl or something. It was crazy. They were they were in a New Year's Six Bowl and they yeah. played Auburn, who was like a really great in the yeah. SEC that year. And everybody was like, "Oh well, UCF doesn't play anybody. They're twelve and zero, but they don't deserve to be anywhere close to the college football championship because they didn't play anybody good." And like, look what happens when they play Auburn, and they literally beat Auburn in that yeah. bowl game. And it's like, okay, clearly, like the competition is is here, right? But whatever. And they yeah. actually ended up claiming a national championship for that, and they have like a banner in their own stadium. And it's like good for them, right? I mean, they did all they could, right? They won all the games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think he had he left right before that happened. So that was probably pretty tough on his on his mental right after he did that. He was probably questioning this, his decision. But again, it worked out in the end. Now we're going to move on to a second point in this whole money ordeal. And that is the same old point about scholarships being the money that players are getting for their services. Now, again, Matt kind of touched up on this last episode, but I actually found an article for this episode that's perfect for I mean, it was like there was a whole study done and it actually delineates it. It, it basically compares where, what kind of money, what kind of revenue um, goes to the players in professional sports like the NFL and the NBA and stuff like that. And it would it basically it it puts that in perspective of what college players would make if the same thing was instated in, you know, the NCAA and college sports in general. So. Get a load of this, a study done by the National Bureau of Economic Research, which, again, I, I don't know. I mean, this is just from the article I read. And this, art, this, this is a Forbes article, so you can go look at it if you want. But, uh, but yeah, so a, a study done by the National Bureau of Economic Research found that less than 7%, less than 7% of all revenue that goes to the NCAA from ticket revenue, you know, games, everything, that's that this is you know generated by football and basketball programs all around the country less than seven percent of this revenue actually goes towards scholarships for players tuition room and board etc so less than seven percent of around eight billion in annual revenue eight billion dollars in annual in annual revenue to the ncaa actually goes to scholarships for ncaa players and athletes and things like that that's crazy like Seven percent is is so. Small. I mean, if if you want to, I guess if you want to put it in, um, in like actual money terms. So if they're making eight billion, right? If you take ten percent of eight billion, that would be what, uh, eight hundred thousand, something right. like that. It, is it eight hundred thousand, Matt? Am I doing my math right? It is. You you are a, a, a star pupil math yeah. student. Yeah. There you go. So eight hundred thousand. So less than seven percent. I mean, that's we're we're probably talking like. I don't know, less than, let's just say less than 750K. So less than three quarters of a million dollars or wait, it would, oh, it would be 800 million. Wait, it'd be 800,000. Okay. I'm no dude. It would be 800 million. I think. Yeah. Cause 800 million times 10. Okay. Whatever. Anyway. So basically that is a very small amount. Let's just say that because I'm really bad at math. So yeah, I'm going to leave that in there though, because that's me just struggling with math and I'm a college student, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's, that's really bad. I mean, honestly, like if you think about 7% of anything, that's yeah, that, that is very bad. And again, this is where the NCAA is claiming that they put most of their money. It's like, oh yeah, you know, where does your money go NCAA? Okay. It goes to scholarships and we do all these great things for NCAA athletes. And we, you know, we take care of our, of our players and we, we help them get the education that they need because they are student athletes and education comes first. That's what they pride themselves on. But I'll get to that a little bit later. You know, the NCAA, they're saying that 
they pride all their athletes on getting an education, but actually the least amount of money that they put towards other things actually goes to educational purposes, but I'll talk about that later. So essentially what, what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to gather here is that in comparison to the N, the NFL and the NBA, and we're using football and basketball as the examples here because a, that's what the article did. And so I'm going off the article, but B it's also because football and basketball are the most, they're, they're the money makers of, of college sports, obviously. So 50% of all revenue that the NFL and the NBA get goes back to their athletes, essentially. So it 50% of that has to go back to the athletes in some way. And again, that probably has to do with salary cap and everything like that. Again, I don't, I don't know the crazy details of the, of that kind of thing, but well, That's the breakdown kind of really what? quick. The breakdown is because there's a union for the NFL and the NBA. It's called the NFL Players Union, the NBA Players Union. And this is, you know, similar to when we talked about it last episode, Northwestern University football team tried to create a union. And it's because if you don't create a union on behalf of the players, the owners who are the owners of the teams and they decide the salaries and the, you know, the, the cap space and all that they have all the power so they can tell you whatever you want. Right. And so what the, what the players did is they created the players union and that what happens is, and this is, you know, you hear about this every couple of years because it's kind of within every major sport is the players union and the owners are kind of two separate groups and they decide on a collective bargaining agreement, which is, you know, largely known as the CBA and the CBA has all these laws. And we talked about this with Alex Beaudry as well. The CBA has all these rules and stipulations for how, you know, how the money is split and whatever, but basically over time now, over time, actually the players have kind of gone down in terms of the money they make, which just proves that nobody's even talking about it, but the owners just keep getting richer and richer and richer, which is a problem in our society in general, whatever. Um, But Hayden's right. Pretty much at the end of the day, in, in most major sports, the revenue is split 50, 50. So the owners, you know, deal with 50% and the players kind of get 50%. But in, in college, and, and, you know, this is kind of something that we talked about before too, there is no way to unionize because you don't have, you know, lawyer agencies and player representatives and people who are going to step up for these college athletes who, you know, a lot of them probably wouldn't even know. Like when I was 18 and 19 years old, I didn't know, I wouldn't know how to represent myself in the court of law based on what I'm supposed to be making on a collective bargain agreement with the NCA or your respective conferences. Like, what are you talking that, That's a bunch of words. That's a bunch of useless knowledge. Right. Um, and so that kind of goes to what Hayden's saying is like, it's split 50 50 because you have a players union, you have a CBA in which, you know, all of this is already decided, but with the NCAA, you don't have that. And really because there's so many athletes and there's so many teams and schools and there's just, it's a, a completely different, you know, organization from the top down so many hierarchy and levels and stuff. You, you really can't have a collective bargaining agreement. You can't have the players unionized, which is kind of, you know, what's hate, what Hayden's getting at there. Yeah, that's right. So Essentially, to compare this to the NCAA, that same study that I told you about that exposed that less than 7% of the NCAA's annual revenue actually goes back to the players in form of school scholarships and the things like that and tuition and room and board and everything like that. That same study estimates that if men's basketball and football players, college football players and college basketball players in the most prestigious conferences. So, you know, obviously the SEC and like the big, the bigger conferences that get the most money that bring in the most money. If they all split that 50, their 50% of the total NCAA revenue equally, each football player would receive 
about 360,000 per year. And each basketball player would, would earn nearly 500,000 per year. Just think about that. That's like, that would be their yearly salary. If that same kind of collective bargaining agreement was a thing in the NCAA. And that if, if that was actually, you know, if the players were actually getting 50% of the NCAA's revenue, think about that. I mean, obviously, like Matt said, there's so many, there's a lot of other things that the NCAA has to worry about that professional sports organizations don't such as right. Giving scholarships like that's a, and they have to govern so many other bodies that that's true, but it's like, come on. I mean, we're comparing 7% to 50% and that's, that's not okay. So yeah. And then if you want to go into, if you want to go a little bit deeper and this will kind of be the last thing I say about this whole thing, but if you want to go a little bit deeper and you want to talk about the positions that make the highest amounts of monies in, in professional sports. So, you know, for example, in the NFL, it's, it's quarterbacks and wide receivers that usually make the, the, the highest amounts of money, unless you're like the best at your position, but in general, you know, like the, the, the kind of middle of the pack quarterbacks and the middle of the pack wide receivers make more money than the middle of the pack, any other position. Um, so essentially, if you wanted to kind of distribute the money, not equally, but in a, in a more fair way of the better players get more amounts of money, like it actually is in the NFL and the NBA and stuff like that. The study found that quarterbacks and wide receivers would earn about 2.4 million um, well, okay, sorry, 2.4 million for quarterbacks and then 1.3 million for wide receivers. The best players at their position would, would earn around that amount of money per year um, because obviously, you know, they're bringing in more revenue. But yeah, so you've got so like so much money that could be going to players and that should be going to players that's being spent elsewhere, which we don't even really know where that's going. And it, it's told to us. And I'll get that. I'll get into that in this next bullet point after I let Matt talk about this kind of, you know, shocking statistic that the study found. But yeah, we've got so much money that should be going to players and it's not. And it kind of just this study kind of put it in perspective, like, dude, these professional sports organizations are paying their, you know, are paying their players 50 percent or around 50 percent of the revenue. And if the NCAA did that, their players would be making, you know, well around what what the average NFL and NBA players are making right now. So, oh yeah, and I also forgot that um, basketball players would make like the the better basketball players, starting basketball players um, in college would be making between eight hundred thousand and one point two million per year. So a little bit less than football players, but again, it just shows how much these players should be making, but they're not. Well, yeah, and I think one thing that I'm going to kind of key in on here, and I don't have too much to say about this, I am absolutely blown away, and I think, you know, Hayden did a great job kind of researching all that and 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 putting it into perspective as to, like, really the, 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 the amount of money split that we're talking about that could be potential, but just really will never happen. Um, and, and the one thing I wanted to mention, too, is that, you know, kind of when we think about that, less than 7% of the $8 billion in annual revenue that the NCAA makes is being paid out to its players. And, and really, again, like it's it's not being directly paid to the players. It's 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 going towards funds, quote unquote, for tuition, room and board, all that stuff. Less than 7% of $8 billion in revenue. Hayden, you know, we, we, we had a little bit of a, of, a, of a brain fart there on the math and how that works out. That's $800 million. That's still that's a lot of money. OK, that's that's a lot. Um, well, less than that, but, you know, 700 million ish 
Yeah, well, I was right when I said seven hundred million, and then you kept on insisting that it was eight hundred thousand. That's true. So. I was I was also wrong in that, but it's been a long day. So yeah, know, there you go. Give me give me some slack there. Anyway, either way, eight hundred million, seven hundred million, however, hey, however, however you want to slice it, that's a lot of money. Sure, yeah, that's a lot of money. But you got to think about this, okay? A, as Hayden mentioned, you know, right? Yeah, football and basketball, they're the money drivers of of all the NCAA sports and then on top of that you have teams that are you know better than others as Hayden mentioned as well you have certain players certain positions that you know kind of are more important to a team's success and 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 the way that well in football certain positions in basketball maybe just certain players because you know some players are just better sometimes on some teams you have good point guards sometimes you have good you know power forwards whatever it may be so it would be split up somehow, but either way, I think that that kind of one stat, $360,000 across the board for every single player, no matter what, is kind of essentially what this could be getting to. So now we think about it and it's like seven, less than 7% is around, you know, 700 million, $800 million. That's, that's, yeah, that's a lot. But then you think about it. There are so many teams, there are so many universities that make up the NCAA, okay? And so let's put it into perspective. In football, FBS football, Division I football, there are 131 FBS teams, okay, in like Division I college football, okay? So already, that's like, you know, a hundred, that's like, you know, a hundred, right, over a hundred teams, $800 million, that's already less than a hundred million dollars per school, okay? Then... On the basketball side in Division One, there's 358 basketball teams. Okay, and the reason for this obviously is because with a football team, you're fielding a lot more players. So you got, you know, and on an NFL team, 53 is is like the cap of the amount of you know that's like the you know they always say 53 man roster. That's how many people you have on your on your NFL team. On college teams, is way more, right? Because you have you have your recruits that are you know that are that have just come in. You have your guys that have been there forever. You guys that are that are you know that could go to the NFL, but they're not gonna you know they're gonna stay here for an extra year. You have transfer portal guys coming in. You got redshirt freshmen from their first season that they're just gonna you know wait a year and then play the next year. There and you got walk-ons. There are so many different types of people on the team on a team like this. College teams have over a hundred you know hundred kids, you know per team, and that's one hundred and thirty schools, right? Now compare that to basketball where there's 358 schools because the teams are a lot smaller, right? There's only 10 or 11 guys on every single college basketball team. So a lot more teams can be competitive in this realm of, you know, division one. But still, if you think about that, let's, you know, let's be generous and let's round up to about 400. We're just kind of making easy numbers here clearly because Hayden and me can't do, can't do math. So if you have $800 million and you have 400, you know, about uh, college basketball teams, you're already splitting that money in half, right? For, for, from that money. Okay, cool. Right. You're splitting that money in half and you're not even considering the football teams at that point. Right. So you got the $400 million. You're splitting 800 million and a half, 400 million. And then you got 131 college football teams to pay, but it's the same schools. Right. And so you're paying the players individually. Like it just, it, 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 it's, it's so it's kind of just all messed up. And it's just that the way that the NCAA was created and there's a lot to go around but kind of too little organization around it. Right. And, and as Hayden said last time, we, you know, kind of our, our big synopsis of the, of the last episode was that there's too few people in power of all of this money and making all of these decisions that you end up in just a, a big mess where nobody actually thinks to correct it. And then you kind of end up in a situation where it's like, wait, what, what are we, what should we actually be doing here? Well, it doesn't really matter. We'll just go to a court case and continue to lose and fine. You can pay the players. Okay, cool. But at the end of the day, too, 
the NCAA is spending a lot of money that they that they make. And, and as I mentioned last episode as well, they are considered a 4015 or what is it? 4501c3 business, which is denoted as a nonprofit organization. Okay, so the NCAA is a big nonprofit. Who knows if that's actually true? It probably is because obviously they have big accountants and they're, you know, a huge, uh, uh, like, you know, probably one of the biggest businesses in the world, honestly. They are allotting their money to wherever they are. And so to a certain extent, because think about it, right? I mean, you have to put on March Madness as the event. You have to, you have to, you know, pay for the players and for their parents to have travel and, and hotel rooms. And you have to put on the, you know, the, the college lacrosse championship you know you have to pay espn to have your name put on the college football playoff thing right presented by the ncaa all that stuff so like the money is being spent okay cool right and our eight eight billion dollars is somehow being spent um you know and, and so that's kind of why too the ncaa doesn't really pay and this goes back to what we were saying before in that court case it's like okay no matter what happened the ncaa is still not paying these players so as hayden put it it's really interesting to think about it that way as if like hey if this money was actually just evenly split to every single athlete they would make a ton of money three hundred sixty thousand dollars a year right and and as he mentioned then too like if you're a quarterback of a you know tcu you can be making $2 million, $3 million, right? Every year, which is just for, you know, the, the amount of ad, the amount of revenue they are making both the school and the NCAA. However, like I said, the NCAA isn't paying directly um, and doesn't really have to pay the players directly. They have other stuff that they're paying for. Now, Hayden, I heard that you did some research on what the NCAA is actually spending their money on. Would you care to enlighten us on the detailed descriptions about what is going on here and where the NCA is spending all of this $8 billion in annual revenue, please. I would be enlightened to, well, I would be happy to enlighten you. would be you. delighted to enlighten me. Delighted. Yes. I'd be delighted to enlighten you guys. On, okay. Just get to the point, please. Okay. Um, yeah. So basically <laughs> uh, if actually, if you go on the NCAA website and I did a Google search and it took me to this website. So I don't know if you just typed in NCAA.com. Actually, yeah, it's under the finances section. So you, if if you go to NCAA.com and you go, I guess, to finances, wherever that is, um, you can kind of see a breakdown of where the NCAA's money goes. Now, if, if you go on here, like the, the first thing you're going to notice is these numbers don't add up to 8 million or 8 billion. Sorry. These numbers add up to just around 1 billion, which is like, well, that's a little bit of a weird thing that's happening here, but, uh, but, but we'll just go off of this. All right. I'm, this is not the point. It's not, it's the total amount of money is not really my point anymore. My point is the NCAA prides itself on being all for its athletes um, in terms of giving them, you know, the educational programs and the educational opportunities that they need first before, you know, kind of putting education first and ahead of sports, which again, that's, that's a great thing to do and all, but again, it, but it's like, there's, there's so many fishy things behind it that it's hard to believe. Now, if you go to the breakdown, there are, I don't know, there's probably like 12 categories here of, of things that the NCAA is paying money to. And this is all in terms of, of millions of dollars. So when I say like 168.8, and if I don't say million, just assume that I'm saying $168.8 million. So yeah, so essentially a couple a couple of category names here for where money's going is um, student athlete services and championship support, $64.5 million going to 
student athlete services and championship support. Now you might be asking, what is that? Well, there's a little description here. It says includes funding for catastrophic injury insurance, drug testing, student athlete leadership programs, postgraduate scholarships, and additional association wide championship support. That's a bunch of very broad terms and a very vague terms. Now, again, postgraduate scholarships and everything like that, that's great because again, you know, that's, that's kind of like, that's helping kids after school or after undergraduate schooling and everything like that. So that's, yeah, I mean, that we'll, we'll give you some slack on that. Um, so there's also the academic enhancement fund, which is getting $49.2 million from the NCAA and it's distributed to this division one schools to assist with academic programs and services. Now that's something that they kind of matches up with, uh, with what they pride themselves on, which is education. But then you get down to the bottom here, and again, these are these are these are all pretty big numbers. I mean, the smallest number here is three point eight million dollars, and that goes to educational programs. That's the smallest number on this list. Everything else, everything else is like thirty five million. You know, well, I won't even talk about the one hundred sixty eight point eight million that's going to Division One basketball performance funds. Right? I mean, we've talked about how the you know college basketball and the and the the tournament in general is the biggest money maker for for um, NCAA, but right. Like 3.8 million, the smallest number on this list is going to educational programs for athletes. It's like, dude, you're, you're telling us that you love educational opportunities for your athletes. And you love the thought of your athletes being students before athletes, but it's like, dude, you can't be given the least amount of money to educational programs. When you pride yourself on education, that makes no sense. It was just kind of a, a thing to throw out there again, this is not really, you know, I'm not really like kind of trying to get too deep into this, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was just something funny that I found that was like, dude, I was scrolling down this list and I saw 3.8 million, the smallest number on this list. Um, and it's going to educational programs, which right again, is like what they pride themselves on. So yeah, that's just, uh, kind of ridiculous to me, but Matt, if you, if you want to, if you want to head into the TV deal jazz, then you can, because I'm done making fun of the NCAA. Yeah, well, and you, I mean, I would say, hey, make fun of them all day if that's the numbers you're going to be throwing yeah. out. Because seriously, I mean, that's, yeah, that's legit, right? I mean, that's, that's real research. That's the stuff that's on their website. And it's like, still doesn't really add up. Um, So, so yeah, so, so definitely some good research there. And, and now we're kind of rightfully able to ask some questions as to, right, hey, you pride yourself in education. Where's the education, right? Where, where are you, where are you? you know, devoting money to, uh, to the education. Now, the other side of, we've talked about the NCAA this whole time, right? However long we've been recording so far, NCAA, 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 that's all you heard us say. Now, where do the schools come in? All right. Where the schools come in, obviously you have regular just games, right? You have soccer games, you have baseball games, you have football games, you have basketball games that are all put on by the school. And so anybody who pays to go to that game is buying a ticket to that game. And they're, you know, assumably going to spend money, uh, you know, on a water or a nacho cheese fries or something like that. And that's all going to make money for the school. Okay. So, so that's kind of inherent to what you're going to be doing as a school, putting on these athletic events. So what's the other side of that, though? It's the TV money, because how else are people going to watch these games? Well, you're not going to go to the stadium if you're, you know, you're in you're in Nebraska and you're trying to watch, you know, Ohio State play Michigan. You're not going to go to the big house, right? You're not going to go to Horseshoe. You're going to watch the game on TV. And that's where the staggering 
amounts of money come into play here because TV, as we all know, is, you know, really kind of dictates society at this point. And it's only because technology has gotten so much more rampant. It's available to everyone. Everyone, you know, way more people have access to it. You have better service. You have, you can watch it from anywhere. You can be on any type of device, right? Your phone, your laptop, your your tablet, your, your TV, whatever it is. There's just more access. There's more people who are able to watch these games on more devices in more areas than ever before. And that's only going to continue, right? So it has grown immensely over the last, even just the last 20 years, okay? And so because of this, TV is really the aspect that has skyrocketed over the past 30 years, as I just mentioned. And and we know this just by, right, technology advancing, all that type of stuff. How does this break down though, right? You're asking like, what, what, what does this matter? I got you. Each conference, okay, so the conferences in, in football, for example, there's 10 conferences, okay, and there's five conferences that that are, that have school, that, you know, the schools are the members of the conferences, and they're the better ones, and it's called the Power Five conferences, and then the, the, the five smaller ones are called the Group of Five conferences. I don't know who came up with those names. It is what it is, whatever. You, that's how you kind of delineate who's who and, and, you know, what schools are in what conferences, whatever. And all these conferences... Uh, really up until now, but I'm kind of trying to, you know, trying to make this as simple as possible. The conferences are, or the teams in each conference get there mostly just by kind of proximity, right? Location, that that's kind of where the, uh, where the conferences get their, get their teams from. So the ACC, for example, stands for Ath- or Atlantic Coast Conference. Teams like UVA, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Syracuse, Boston College, Miami, Florida State, Clemson, all these teams, they're on the Atlantic coast, right? Makes sense. Cool. Pac-12, right? Pacific. So Pacific, you shorten the last, the first three letters of that word, it's Pac-12 teams. You got the Pac-12, right? Who's in the Pac-12? Stanford, Cal, Oregon, Washington, Washington State, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, all these teams that are on the West Coast. Got it? Big 10, SEC, you get the point. So that's how the teams are in the conferences. Now, what happens with the TV deals is the networks, ESPN, ABC, Fox, CBS, they pay the conferences, or well, they don't pay. Well, they do pay, but they, they basically sign a contract with the conferences, right, that allows the network to show those conferences' teams' games on their network, okay? So the SEC is the most popular conference in, uh, you know, in, in, in the country. CBS, for the last however long, has had a contract with the SEC saying, we are going to play your best game, your marquee game, every Saturday at 3.30 p.m. That's the that's the time, right? That That's how that works out, okay? But that's not just for one day. That's like the whole year, right? Or, and actually multiple years. So like the, the conference will sign a very big contract with a TV market or a TV uh, you know channel and that TV channel will play the games for the conferences, okay? And the way that works out is that once the conference makes all the money from the TV deal with the network, the conference pays each of the schools that are in that conference based on the TV deal that they signed. So that makes sense, right? Okay, cool. We got that. So how much money are we talking, though? Well, that's really where the question starts. So let's put it this way, okay? The Big Ten... Next year is going to sign a new no, a new TV contract. So their their past one they signed the contract in 2017, and it was with Fox and ESPN, right? So that way 
that Fox and ESPN are allowed to show the games from the Big Ten. And that was, they signed it in 2017 and it was for a six year contract. And so they're going to, you know, they're going to kind of run up here in 2023 is going to be the, where, the next, where they sign the next contract. The estimated projections for this next contract. And again, it doesn't, you know, whatever, how many, however many years they sign the contract for, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's probably still going to be ESPN and, and, and Fox, but they're just going to kind of essentially renew their contract and they're going to make a lot more money. It's estimated that the conference is going to get paid over probably about $1.2 billion per year, per year to show the games from those teams on their television network. What? Yeah, exactly. You heard that right. I didn't stutter. We 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 kind of sucked at math earlier in this podcast. That is not me sucking at math. Yeah. That is the actual numbers and the projections of what this TV deal is going to be. Because, well, first of all, the Big Ten is is probably, I mean, there's the SEC, they're the top. Big Ten, especially now with getting USC and UCLA and, and everything they're doing to kind of become the top dog, the, the second top dog. So they're a legit conference. They're going to make all of this money just by, just because the TV network wants to show their games on TV, right? Like that's how this works out. And so you think about that. Well, gee, Matt, the Big Ten, let's say they do become a super conference, right? And and they have like 20 teams in there. But I think by the time UC or USC and, and UCLA join the Big Ten, um, they're going to be up to, I think they're going to be up to like 16 teams by that point. Let's say, you know, they get some other teams in the works here until, you know, by the time they sign the contract or whatever, and they have 20 teams in the conference, okay? And they sign a deal for, let's just make the math easy again, $1 billion per year that the Big Ten signs the contract with ESPN, Fox, however they want to split it up. And in most cases, probably what will happen is they'll pay half and half. So ESPN will pay $500 million and Fox will pay $500 million. And those will kind of both be in the tree leading up to the Big Ten, who is the conference that gets paid for, you know, for these games to be, to, to be displayed um, on, the, on the TV network. And so what happens then is that the conference, the Big Ten, pays all the schools an evenly split amount of money based on the TV contract that they got. Okay. So you think about this, let's say the big 10 get up to, gets up to 20 teams and they're making a billion dollars per year on our TV deal. That's $50 million per school. If there's 20 teams, if there's less, it's even more per school, $50 million that that one school is going to make just, just because their games are on TV. Right. But the schools don't have to do anything to get their games on TV. The TV networks want the game so badly because they're making so much money off of people watching it because it's so, you know, it's, it's such a, everybody wants to watch it. Right. So like they're just indirectly making $50 million every single team. Right. And, and again, this is evenly split. So you have in the sec, well, let's, let's, let's keep using the big 10. I you know apologize for going off, off over there. Ohio state best team in the big 10, right. Been that way for 20 years. Okay, cool. They'll make $50 million. Northwestern and Illinois and Nebraska and teams that aren't even getting to, you know, a 500 record teams that are winning like one or two games a year, they're going to make $50 million too. They're making the same amount. Okay. And so that's why too, when you hear like, Oh, why is Vanderbilt still in the sec? Cause they haven't had a winning record in 30 years. Well, if they're getting paid $50 million a year, just to be in the sec and lose a bunch of games. Sure. Why not? Right. So that's the type of money we're talking about here. And that's why in this circumstance, and this goes back to the original argument that we had, the players are playing the game and people are watching the game and people are watching the game at the game, which the school makes money on. And people are watching the game on TV, which the school makes money on. And as we discussed, TV has 
absolutely, you know, past any sort of imaginative theoretical number that you could come up with for how popular it's gotten, how many people are tuning into these games, how many, you know, devices they're using. And so the schools are making money not only off of the people going to the game to see the game, but they're also making money based on the TV deal because it's such a highly sought after event to be televised. Now, where are we, where are we going with this? Well, where's let's let's ask this question let's have a better question where's the 50 million dollars going to because it's not going to the players all right and even if it is in the form of scholarships like a scholarship is probably what like 200 grand and and, you know and okay you pay you know 10 players to be on scholarship that's two million dollars where's the other 48 million dollars going to right is i see what i'm saying and also the scholarships are already kind of part of like the endowment money so like the, I think the TV deals, and again, I don't know exactly what the, uh, the accounting of a university looks like, right? But I'm assuming that that's already accounted for and that the $50 million TV deal is kind of just supplemented. And so that's just kind of extra money that's floating around. I would definitely love to have an extra $50 million. I don't know about you, Hayden. Um, I would. But yeah. yeah, that's me personally. Wouldn't have to work another day in my life. It'd be great. But that's the money we're talking about with this TV, with these TV deals. And it's only increasing. So the schools are only going to keep making more money off of the product that the players are playing because let's put it this way and i said it this way last time too if the players did if, if you have ohio state and michigan probably the most watched college football game every single year if the players just didn't show up for that game nobody would make any money because there wouldn't be a game because the players didn't decide to play right but they're always going to show up because they have to because that's you know why they're playing the game but at the same time they're making so much money for the schools and for the ncaa they don't see a penny of and it's like, that's kind of going to have to at some point be redistributed and hopefully part of, you know, the kind of this transition with NIL and all this other stuff. So, yeah. How about that? Huh? Breakdown on the TV deal. You never thought it, but here it is. And it's here to stay. And it's only going to get bigger because this is only going to get more popular. College football is, 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 is still in its infancy in terms of just like the potential that it has for an expanded playoff, right? There could be a 12-team playoff before we know it. And more people are going to tune in and there's going to be more money poured into this thing. So like put your big boy pants on because this is the real deal. Yeah, exactly. And one thing that I kind of started thinking about right at the end there when he, tar- when he started talking about money that's coming from TV deals that's probably not going to the players all in forms of scholarships we also got to think about i mean i again i this was one thing that i wish i had researched more before doing this episode that i kind of forgot about in the midst of me looking at the bogus ncaa website but um but yeah one thing that i was i was gonna try to research which actually i i did end up doing google searches on this and i didn't even really it's really hard to find stuff like find actually good information on this kind of stuff because i think (laughs) i mean the ncaa like i mean if you haven't gotten the gist by now like they're kind of a there's not not many people know a lot about the ncaa and its inner workings because it is so confusing and that's probably something that alex beaudry would know a lot more about than we do um and a lot more than the average person would know and so i still have to reach out to him but um yeah so essentially like i would like to know how much, I mean, is it 50, 50, is it, does half the money towards scholarships go or come from the school and then half, the other half comes from the NCAA or is it, cause it, it seems like from the NCAA's perspective and how they phrase it, it seems like they're doing all the work and offering players scholarships and that would be great and dandy at all. But then again, like Matt said, then you've got the schools 
taking in $50 million from TV deals. And then if all scholarship money is coming from the NCAA organization, well, then you got the schools making $50 million and then they have, they have nowhere to spend that. So it's like, and even still, even if it is half and half, like Matt said, you're not spending $50 million on scholarships for athletes to, for one school. Like that's just not happening. Even if it is 50, 50, you know, well, more of what I was saying too, I think is that the, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And again, I don't want to like assume anything here, but I think to answer your question, or I think the answer to your question is that I think actually the schools like already have all that figured out on the, on the, like on the front end. And I, I kind of tried to say this a little bit, but like, I don't think the NCAA really contributes too much to like paying the scholarships for the players yeah. because Think about it this way. Schools have been paying scholarships forever, and you also have academic scholarships. So the schools are paying for that. It wouldn't make sense. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's yeah. how it happens, but I don't think it would make sense for, like, the NCAA to only be paying for, like, athletic scholarships and then the schools to be like, oh, well, we just need these couple extra scholarships here for this one player, these couple players that we really want. Like, it's, I think it's, I think it's at the end of the day, it's up to them. But again, schools have been giving scholarships forever and the price of college, yes, has skyrocketed. So yes, the schools are ending up paying more money, you know, to pay for the tuition for all the athletes that they're recruiting. But at the same time, the amount of money that college has skyrocketed does not equate to the amount of money that the TV deal has skyrocketed. Okay. And so that's kind of the argument here is like, there's always money to pay the scholarships for these athletes that they're recruiting, but the money that they're making from the TV deal is exponentially higher. And it's kind of just like, where's that going? Because if you already have the scholarship taken care of. I'm pretty sure that's how it works out. And that kind of even point, you know, kind of proves our point even more here is like, do you have even more money extra then that you're not, you know, kind of paying to, 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 or who knows where you're paying it. Right. Yeah. Um, so that'll kind of be what's interesting going forward, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was a, that was a really good point about the whole TV deal thing. And I hadn't even really thought about that. And I don't think that I, that's kind of one of the things that we're trying to accomplish, I guess, with this whole doomsday series is kind of bringing up points that not a lot of people have already. And if, I mean, if you have seen this stuff somewhere, then congratulations, you've done some pretty, some pretty intense research, but yeah, that's, that's one of our objectives with this series is to kind of bring things up that we think are not really out there yet and are not really, you know, being talked about enough. And so, um, yeah, I think we did a really good job this episode of, of delineating where money is going, where we know it's going, where we think it's going, because it, <laughs> again, there's, there's not many, uh, concrete, I guess, concrete destinations out there that, that we're aware of. I just wanted to let you know again, just in case, just in case you're wondering, um, 23.3 million goes to membership support services. $23.3 million of, uh, <laughs> of the NCAA's revenue goes to membership support services, which is covering the costs related to NCAA governance committees and the annual NCAA convention. $23 million. NCAA convention. Like, what even is that, dude? I don't, I don't care about that, you know? Wait, I, again, so if that means that the people who decide, the 64 teams that get into March Madness, which is like my absolute dream job, if they're all making like six figures just to be at that room, like, come on, dude. Probably, dude. I, yeah, seriously. Yeah, Matt's that's like always... that's an NCAA committee. That's like the tournament selection yeah. committee. I, I That's like the only one I know of. And it's probably the biggest one and probably the most important. But still, like, it's an NCAA committee and they're making some sort of percentage of that large sum of money. Right. Yeah. $23 million. Like they're making, again, like Matt said, they might be making six figures, but 
if they're picking the teams to be in the tournament, you got a bracket. But if the, if the players don't go out there and play in the bracket or that they don't go out there and play in the tournament, that bracket's useless. It means nothing. Right. So that's just um, that's just the facts there. But yeah, with that being said, we're probably going to cut off the episode right now. I think we're at about an hour, which is which is good here. Um, yeah, it was it was a, it was a really productive episode. Next episode. Matt, give a little bit of a sneak peek in the, in the next episode. Obviously, you know, don't go in too in depth into things, but Matt was telling me his, his plan for next episode um, because this episode was kind of, I mean, it, it was an effort by both of us, but I kind of, I think I kind of got the, the, the ball rolling on the whole money thing. But Matt, tell us your idea for next episode so that the, the listeners can have a little sneak peek. Yeah, it's more to do about the schools. This time, the coaches. We had, nobody thinks about it. But how about, imagine this scenario. You are a highly touted recruit, right? Four-star, five-star athlete. You're the best at your position in the country. One of the best in the country. And a coach shows up from a well-known university and says, son, I know you have offers from all these other schools and that you want to play college football or basketball and you want to make it to the professional leagues. I can do that for you. I can be your guy. I promise you. I give you my word that I will help you attain that. And I promise we will have success at the NCAA level. You will win championships, conference championships, and you will get drafted. Then imagine you say, you know what? Wow, that guy really inspired me. I, 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to this school again. I'm not, I'm not using examples because you know, don't want to, we're just going general here. I commit to this school. I want to go here. I believe in what this guy told me. I'm going to do it. And you go there and you spend your first year there and you red shirt because that's what a lot of guys do, right? Because you got to get used to the team and the school and you don't, you don't want to get injured your true freshman year. And you're, you're really, you know, you're getting hype. You, 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 you're gelling in with this coach. He's promising you, Hey, next year, this guy's going to be you out on the field. You're going to make a difference. And it's going to be, you know, me and you till the end. Then imagine that that coach gets a gets a call from the be, from one of the better colleges in that conference or around the world, right? Or sorry, around the country. That coach gets an offer to increase his salary by ten million dollars to go be the head coach of a different team. He can leave. He can go. He can do whatever he wants. And that happens all the time. He's gone, but you aren't because he told you that he would change your life. He told you to stick out with him till the end, and you said, yes, I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow you. And then he just left, didn't say a word to you and he's gone. And now you can't do anything about it. And you're not even getting paid because of whatever. whatever. <laughs> um, and then one more thing, and this is a tease. I'm not, I'm not going to give it all away here. Then imagine that a coach is signed to that, to that new school. Right. And he goes to that new school and he's making a ton of money and it's, you know, okay. He's, he's, he's raking it in. He's doing a great job. Well, he's, he's making a lot of money. He's not doing a great job. Imagine if that coach goes, you know, is, is, it runs the team into the ground. He does terribly at that new school, but he signed a six-year contract and he's two years into the deal and the school hates the way he's coaching and they know that they can do better and they have another guy they want to hire. What happens to all the money that they sign the contract with to that coach that they technically owe him or her? What happens then? Find out in the next episode. That's right. There you go. That, that was actually really good. I was like, I'm, I think my, my, my toes are kind of tingling now, you know, I want to get, want to want to dip my toes into the waters of next episode already. Okay. That's yeah. a good analogy. Yeah. I don't even know what I have to say after that, but anyway, that's a little sneak peek to the next episode. Um, you guys will probably hear from us 
yes, next Tuesday, as usual. And it'll be a great third episode of this NCAA Doomsday series. We're coming, we're coming up on uh, on football season real quick here. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to hurry on this NCAA Doomsday series marathon here of you know five episodes or so. But uh, 51 but, days till kickoff. I'll cut you right off there. That's that's right. There you go. That's the, that's the timetable that we have until kickoff. But again, don't want to rush this NCAA Doomsday stuff because this is. Um, it's, let me tell you, it's, it's fun to research. It's one of those things that like, yeah, it is like doing a school project and doing a presentation for a school project, but it's, it's really fun out here doing the, doing the research. And so um, Matt and I are happy to do it. So with that being said, catch you guys next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. <laughs>